0: Joining this week's episode of the Inner Circle podcast. Uh, this week I'm uh, honored to have with me as my guest uh, Wendy Nather from uh, Duo Security. So, Wendy, can you, uh, I mean, for those who may not know, can you give us a little bit of your background?
1: Yeah, thanks, Tony. Uh, so, I lead the advisory CISO team at Duo Security, which is now part of Cisco. And in a previous life, I've been an industry analyst. And I've also been a CISO in the public and private sectors.
0: All right. I I actually uh, uh, was doing a little bit of uh, homework before the, uh, before this uh, podcast and saw that, you know, you'd gone from the uh, Texas education agency to four, five, one. Yes. And then to duo. Um, And then, and I was curious if, uh, if, in your role at Four Five One, was part of your job to analyze Duo, and and you know, and was that like a oh you know what I really like them I think I'll go over there.
1: Well yes absolutely um, I I did cover Duo uh, as part of the uh, somewhat. Tw- around 1,200 security vendors that we were covering in the security practice at 451. And I really liked the Duo product. I liked the vision of the founders and, and all that. When I left 451, I went to stand up the Retail Intelligence Sharing and Analysis Center for 18 months. And then Duo opened an Austin office where I was, and I uh, went to give a talk there. And I thought, you know, I really like these people. Um, I, I like the vision. I like everything. Uh, you know, I wonder if they might take me on. And uh, lucky for me, they did.
0: Very cool. Um, in, a, in a sort of a it's a small world uh, thing, my wife is actually very close friends with Doug Song's wife.
1: Ah, okay. And
0: so, so Doug and I only sort of tangentially know each other, but uh, you know, but our, but our wives are good friends. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So, uh, you know, I wanted to talk today um, kind of about Duo Beyond, about Zero Trust uh, from your perspective and from Duo's perspective. Um, Yeah, I will say that, you know, you know, Duo uh, security, uh, as I, you know, told you before we started this, at one point. I don't know. Three years ago, uh, was a sponsor of uh, TechSpective, and so I've worked with Duo in subcapacity in the past, and, and done some writing uh, for Duo and about Duo. Um, but I've always viewed it or known it as like the two-factor authentication, the multi-factor authentication company. Um, uh, and so the the kind of pivot to zero trust or or incorporating zero trust is a is a different angle for me than what I know of Duo. So, uh, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, in a way, you can think about uh, Duo as having gone from 2FA or the traditional 2FA um, to multi-factor authentication, uh, sort of saying, well, how many more different factors do you want or need to convince yourself to trust this user? And so, you know, at the point of authentication, the base product will say, do you want to get a push notification so that we are sure we know who you are? Would you rather have an SMS code? Do you need an offline code? Do you want a voice call? Do you want to tap your YubiKey? You know, whatever works for you at that point of authentication. So that's already kind of multi-factor authentication, but that's all sort of homed in one one way of looking at authenticating that the user really is who they say they is that they are. So uh, from there, Duo expanded and said, well, what can we find out about the device while we're doing this authentication? And can we do it without an agent? So um, Duo then developed the way to check the security hygiene of the device. Uh, because even if you are uh, issuing corporate devices, and even if you're managing them, you can't necessarily tell whether somebody is using that device to access your applications. They might be using a personal device. And we see this all the time. When customers think that they have about 800 corporate devices, and they put, uh, they put Duo in use, and they discover that there are two or 3,000 devices that are being used to access their applications that they didn't know about. So the best way to do this is to sit in the authentication path and say, before I let you through, I just want to check some things. And, of course, one of the biggest concerns for a CISO is are the users using safe devices to access the applications. So at the very least, even if you don't control the device, you can stand back and say, uh, look, you know, this is your personal phone, you can do what you want. But if you want to access our application, you're going to need to be this tall to ride, you're going to need to have this level of security hygiene. Right. Um, so it's a more collaborative form of of security risk management, if you like. Now, at, at this time, when Duo had launched, they had launched the, the first product in 2011. Um, in 2009, John Kindervog had been talking about the term zero trust, which, you know, also by then was, the, the term was new, but the the concept wasn't because the Jericho forum in the UK had been talking about this, you know, it, in the early 2000s. Um, but at, at the time all of this was happening, Google had started trying to implement this model, uh, this design pattern, if you like, and, um, it took them about seven years to do it, and they called their implementation BeyondCorp. And Duo said, well, you know, this is really cool. We, we can add a few more things, and we could make it possible for any organization to do the same thing without having to build it themselves. So that's where we kept expanding on the product, first from device insight and from um, single sign-on access to to external SaaS applications to making it possible for you to do the same thing with your internal applications. And when we got through all of that and added the ability to mark devices as trusted um, so that you could restrict access to those devices, uh, that's where we got to the top end of our uh, application offering, which is called Duo Beyond, uh, you know, in reference to BeyondCorp. So we really kind of came out with the first commercial implementation of what Google did internally. And okay. we just made it a lot easier for other companies to do this themselves as well.
0: Right. And, and honestly, I mean, I think that that's, you know, if I had to kind of boil it down, I think one of the things that uh, I've always loved about Duo and the thing that I think Duo kind of brought to the table in the first place is that Removing the friction and simplifying. I mean, you know, there, there were, you know, plenty of alternative versions of two-factor authentication, and there, you know, a hundred different ways to do it. Um, but a lot of them were, okay, well, now I have to carry this thing, or I have to do this. You know, and and, you know, I think having those multiple options, and and of, of like you know, like you talked about about, you know, do you want an SMS, you know, message? Do you want this? Do you want that? Really you know, makes that a lot easier because I, I think, you know, you can you can sort of enforce, you can enforce security in kind of a draconian way that, you know, you, you know that is the way you're going to do it, but you're going to piss off a lot of people and they're not going to, they're not going to like it. They're not going to want to do it. They're going to find a, try to find a way around it, or they're just, you know, not going to do that thing anymore. Um, so I think, you know, ultimately you have to find a way to make it, as frictionless as possible, as seamless as possible as, you know, have that security and have that additional protection there without me having to do anything extra or at least not too much extra.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, the, the winning thing, the real indicator that that duo managed to get it right is that uh, we have such a high net promoter score. It's something like 68. I believe it's even higher than Apple's. So a higher number of people would recommend Duo to other people. And for, I think for a security product, that's incredible. Um, we literally have people that come up to us when they see us wearing Duo swag saying, oh, you're with Duo, I love Duo. I mean, who says that about a security product? I love your product.
0: Right. So uh,
1: I think that's so important when you live as closely to the customer as we do in, in, you know, in terms of what we're offering.
0: Um, okay, so so let's say that, you know, I'm a company I've I've embraced you know Duo Beyond uh, and and I'm you know, we're, you know using this to, to authenticate devices and, and make sure that I make sure they you know are tall enough to ride as you said uh, and 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 meet my sort of minimum criteria in terms of uh, security hygiene to access my network. Is there anything else? I should be aware of or anything else that that kind of differentiates what I can see or how I handle what is actually a corporate device versus the BYOD device.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different ways that you can set your policies based on how critical the applications are. And... uh, The thing is you want to be, you want to offer the least restrictive environment for your users if it's not really necessary to go really hardcore on all of your, you know, your zero trust. So if somebody is just looking at a cafeteria menu, you don't care what they're using. Um, You might want to make them authenticate once, but you won't necessarily need to make them authenticate again, you know, say for 30 days or, or something like that because it's just not that important. Now, if you are the administrator of an ERP system, you're going to want to make sure that they are using a corporate managed device, that it's up to date, uh, that they authenticate with every single session, like you're not going to trust them for longer than eight hours or, you know, whatever. Um, So you're going to, you know, pick your adaptive authentication policies based on the risk, how much your users are going to tolerate and how often... Uh, you're going to need to refresh that trust in them based on your estimation of the risk. So as time goes on, your trust in them is going to degrade and you're going to need to refresh it by saying, you know, I want to check again. Are you still really you behind that keyboard? And uh, are you up to date? Is there any, are there any bugs that were just released and we need you to update your software because, you know, the risk has just gotten a little bit higher. Um so looking at all of those things, you're going to choose different levels of policy based on the criticality of your application and the circumstances under which the user is using it.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um you know you talked about uh when you know John Kinderbeg kind of coined the term zero trust and 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 that it wasn't it wasn't you know, new, it wasn't a new, entirely new concept. And I feel like it, it was, you know, essentially an evolution of least privilege of, of, you know, saying, okay, well we want to make sure that we're only giving you access to the things we need you to have access to. um, And then kind of taking that to the next step of, okay, but it's not, it's not enough for me to only do that when you show up first thing in the morning and, or or whatever, the first time you log on. because there are all kinds of other kind of steps along the way of, well, now I'm accessing this resource or now I'm using this application or now I'm connecting to this database where I might want to just kind of double check and say, okay, well, you know, do you, do you still need access to this? Um, And, and, and I think for some, and and I don't know, you can let me know if, if this is a function of of what Duo Beyond is doing as well, but um, I feel like in, in, in some cases, there's there's a there's some value to sort of adding the um, user behavior analytics kind of component to that of saying, okay, I know this is Wendy's you know laptop, you know this is her personal laptop. It's not a corporate device. I know you know Wendy connects from Austin. That's fine. You know I don't need to check that again anytime anytime soon. We'll give that a couple of weeks before we verify that again. But being able to also then say Okay, wait a minute. This looks like it's Wendy's laptop, but it's logging in from you know Tel Aviv. And you know, that seems weird. Um, and and then and then being able to look at that and go, okay, even though I would normally say Wendy's laptop is fine, I'm gonna just reauthenticate here just in case.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, I was logging in from Tel Aviv a couple of years ago when I was speaking at Cyber Week. So yes, you do have to take the user behaviors. Uh, and analyze them and take those into account. And that's something that Duo is also adding. Um, so depending on how you want to look at the behavior during the session, which is another way you might, um, you know, you might determine that, well, we, we were pretty sure this was Wendy, but now we're not so sure because she's doing things in session that we're not sure are her normal behaviors. Uh, you know, that's something we want to work towards. And that's something that Um, you know, some companies are very interested in looking at. Um, So you can either say at the moment of authentication at the door, here are all the circumstances under which you're authenticating right now, and we're okay with that. Or you can say, some of these are a little off. We're not quite sure. So we're going to, you know, at that time, raise the level of, of authentication before we let you in at all. And, uh, yeah, it could be based on what you infer to be their geolocation, which is getting harder and harder to do these days. Um, Or policies like, you know, we just don't want you coming in through Tor. You know, you could be perfectly legitimate, but, uh, you know, we just don't like that. Um, You know, there are a number of other things. But the thing is that Duo was trying to create a way to allow this model to work without the users having to know or care where they are or where the application is. So in other words, no matter whether I'm in my coffee house or I'm in Tel Aviv or anywhere, um, and no matter where the application is being hosted, I should have the same experience as a user. I should log into the same panel, I should have the same authentication options, and I should be um, going through the same workflow to authenticate. And everything on the back end you know, that you want to do to additionally verify me, uh, you can do if you feel it's necessary, but otherwise, you know, as the user, I don't want to be confronted by it. So again, making that recipe of policy and deciding, uh, you know, we we never do business with Uzbekistan. So if we see any traffic coming from there, we always want to go full bore authentication um, you know, that, that's one decision. But in my experience, there are always exceptions to policy. And uh, that's what a CISO has to balance every single day figuring out, no, they really are in Uzbekistan. Okay, we've got to let them in. Um, so that's why, you know, some of these across the board, very binary policies don't necessarily work as well. Uh, One of the things that people use Duo for, for example, um, is for help desk authentication. When people have forgotten their passwords and they call in and they still want to make sure that it's really them, uh, it's harder and harder to find a question that you can ask them that you can't find out about somebody by searching the internet. But at least we can say, I'm going to send you a push to your phone. And if you have possession of the phone, we have a stronger belief that it really is you. Um, so what you just start doing is adding more assurances on and, and see when you get to the level that you consider to be enough trust.
0: Right. Um, yeah, it's funny that, you know, when you're talking about, uh, you know, Uzbekistan and, and, you know, we we know you're not doing that. Uh, it, it reminded me of, uh, on the consumer side of, of what we go through with, uh, credit card providers where it's like, I mean, I use my credit card. 10 20 30 times a day on you know little things big things it's all over the place no one ever says anything um but if i you know happen to be you know i'll be at rsa you know in, in another month or so and and you know if i start making a bunch of purchases from san francisco i mean you know that probably raises the bar a little bit you know that someone might might raise some eyebrows but you know they probably don't do anything but you know every once in a while you run into those situations where you're you know, overseas, or you're somewhere, and you go to use it, and and uh, you know, the bank just goes nope. You know, and uh, and and it's, and it's a similar thing where they're like, all right, well, yes, we know. You know, Tony Tony likes to buy things, and uh, <laughs> and so that that's not unusual. But it is unusual that he's you know buying things in uh, Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and which is fine, and I want the bank to do that. Uh, I think on the bank side, the the, the issue generally is. Uh, they've rejected the transaction. And by the time they actually call me or text me or notify me in any way about the why and try to verify who I am, I'm already gone. I've already figured some other way to pay for it. And it's, you know, three hours later and I'm, I'm halfway across town. Um, So that that needs to be a more immediate uh, I think uh, scenario. Um, But bringing it back to this uh, you, you would, uh, when I was asking about uh, corporate versus BYOD devices, um, I think one of the things you'd mentioned was sort of like the: uh, is there a new bug? Is there a new thing that we we should be concerned about? And maybe we elevate based on that, and uh, that made me think of that. That's actually a fair po- fair policy to be able to enter to to enact for corporate and BYOD. You're just be able to say: Hey, normally this would all be okay. However, you know whatever you know. I'm just going to pick something. You know, the WannaCry ransomware attack is is spreading right now. So you know, let's let's elevate this and like really double check that you are who you say you are. Um, and and so, is that is that a thing that Duo Beyond does now, or is that a thing? Does it even make sense?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, it, it's kind of like a poor man's incident response system, because if you can set policies for Um, how quickly somebody needs to update uh, their system when a new version comes out. Uh, You you can, you know, expand the grace window or you can contract it based on how urgent you think it is. So, for example, when a new version comes out of of iOS, uh, usually we let people, you know, take a, a week or so uh, or sometimes two to update to the new version before they start getting blocked from authenticating. You know, we warn them and say, you, you, you know, there's a new version, you need to update. But uh, there have been a couple of times when we saw an exploit out for a bug that we thought was serious enough that it might affect us <coughs> directly. And so we said, usually, you know, you have two weeks, but we're sorry, everybody's got two days to update because this is pretty serious. We need everybody to update in a hurry. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could even say nobody authenticates until they've updated. That's that's pretty harsh, but it, you know, if the situation is very serious, you could do that, too.
0: Okay. Um, just, to, uh, so I, w- I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, uh, there's a new book. I don't have mine yet, The the Tribe of Hackers. Uh, and I saw that you are, you know, you, you participated in that. So by the time that, by the time this, is by the time I get this up and uh, out, out there for everyone to listen to, I will have the book in my hand, uh, but I don't have the book in my hand yet. So um, I guess I'd like to know kind of what was your involvement? How how did you get involved? And, and what are your thoughts on the, on that book?
1: Oh gosh. Well, um, you know, it's been a while now because it, it takes a book a long time to come to press. Um, so uh, I know that um, Marcus Carey, you know, approached me and said, you know, would you be willing to contribute to the book? And I said, sure. And uh, they did do an interview with me. And that was the last I heard until, you know, they said, okay, now we're publishing. And so I haven't actually seen the book myself yet.
0: Do you even remember what you said?
1: Uh, You know, I'm trying to remember that right now. Because, uh, yeah, I've, I've done some other profiles and interviews. And now I'm trying to remember what they asked me, you know, often it's, how did you get into InfoSec? And what do you think are the biggest problems facing, you know, facing the security field today? And, you know, that sort of thing.
0: It's, it's interesting, because uh, I think I've, I've actually had two, not, I don't think they were for books, they were more for like, you know, I don't know, some sort of reports or articles, but I've had two similar things where someone came to me and said, hey, we okay. want your, you know your." whatever, two paragraphs on this subject, mm-hmm. and I've been like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll contribute my thoughts on this, and it, but it's the same thing where, like, I send them whatever I'm going to send them, I kind of forget about it, and then nine months later, I get an email of, you know, hey, here's this report, and my first inclination is sort of be like, okay, great, you know, another pitch for another report, and I'm like, oh, wait, you're sending it to me because I'm in it, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's, okay, that's different. Um, and then I have to kind of, you know, just like I just put you on the spot. I have to try and go back and go, okay, wait, what was the question and what did I answer?
1: Yeah. Or somebody will say, I really loved what you said in this thing. And you said this and this and this, and I will go, I don't remember saying that, but it sounds pretty good. So, okay, you know, <laughs> I'll take credit for that. it. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, will you, uh, be making the trek to RSA?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, pretty mandatory for us. Uh, But it's a it's a great conference and I'm on the advisory board. So uh, I I know that they have a lot of great things planned every year.
0: Well, it's it's interesting to me, too, because I mean, so I I love RSA. I love RSA for for the networking. I mean, the sessions are great. The keynotes are usually pretty good. Um, I do like to try to attend, you know, some of those and, and, and get some value and some information out of it. But really, I'm there to network. I'm there to you know meet you. I'm there to hang out with uh, other tech writers and you know and 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 from from the perspective of what I do uh, as TechSpective, as a you know freelance writer and content marketer, you know I'm I'm there. Those conversations are what drive my business for the rest of the year. So that's mm-hmm. like you know the R, RSA is is prospecting uh, is, is for me. Um, but I've had a couple conversations with people like just this week um, with people who used to go, who, who are you know, seasoned security professionals who have you know, kind of gotten jaded and don't go anymore. Um, and my perspective on that was, was, okay, well, even if you think that RSA, the RSA conference itself is too corporate or too much of an echo chamber or whatever you want to call it, there are so many things that have sprung up around it. You know, so you've got the, you know, DevOps Connect on Monday and there's the Cloud Security Alliance session. There's the ICS uh, sandbox or uh, whatever. There's innovation, the innovation sandbox that goes on. There's, uh, what else is there? There's,
1: there's B-sides.
0: B-sides yeah. is a big one. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, they're like, it's like, there's still, so much value to just being in San Francisco during RSA, even if you never step foot into RSA proper. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh- yeah, it's, a, it's an entire ecosystem. And, uh, you know, as since I've been on the program committee a few years, you know, I know how hard people work to craft a good program, but uh, there are a lot of people who never make it to the sessions because uh, it, it is such a large ecosystem and there's so much going on. Uh, But, but there are, you know, there's something for every interest there now. So it it is worth it to be in San Francisco, I think.
0: Well, and so early on as a, as a tech journalist going, um, obviously I get inundated with vendor pitches and, you know, and, and it seems like the smaller the company, the earlier they email me because they want to get on my calendar before (laughs) everyone else. And so I've already got probably 150, you know, emails, um, people wanting to set up briefings. And eventually I will set up some briefings. I usually wait until like literally the couple days before RSA to like go back through all the emails and make decisions about who I want to see. And it's partially because of that, because there are people who will email me early and I'm like, well, let's let me wait and see what all the invitations are before I make decisions. Um, But I used to do more, more briefings. And then I decided, you know, a, a lot of the briefings, all you're doing is walking me through a PowerPoint deck that you could just email me. Mm-hmm. In which case, just email me. <laughs> it's a lot easier. I don't have to try to figure out how to get from where I am to where you are, so we can sit down for 30 minutes, so we can go over this PowerPoint deck. Um, and uh, but and then also, I'm like I said, I'm really there for primarily networking, and then secondarily, I do I do want to go to some of the sessions. I mean, there's some great information being shared, and 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 that is a higher priority to me personally than vendor briefings.
1: Okay. Um, mm-hmm.
0: But uh, in recent years, I've found though, that when push comes to shove, I'll still take the networking. I'll, I'll take breakfast, lunch, meeting with people over for coffee or whatever over even the sessions because I'm like most of that stuff, I can watch the recording later. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, it's great to be able to get to the sessions. It's great to be able to get to the keynotes. But, you know, since everything is going to be like available to me the week after anyway, it's like, well, I don't have to go to those things. I can just watch it next week.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I was an analyst, I got inundated with the same, you know, request to meet as well, and you're right. I mean, you can't retain anything, really, uh, from you know, from an, an intense week like RSA, so the conversations you have are really just getting impressions of the person in front of you, saying a few things, um, you know, getting some understanding, and then you've got to move on to the next one, so, you know, if you want to say anything substantive, I, I don't advise people to try to to do a briefing during that week, uh, if you, they want to socialize, if you want to make a, a good nonverbal impression on somebody, you want to have a beer with them. That's one thing. Uh, but yeah, save all the really technical discussions for another time when when you're not so overwhelmed and overstimulated. Right.
0: All right. Well, I want to. Thank you for uh, taking the time. Um, I, I'm, I will, I'm looking forward to receiving uh, Tribe of Hackers tomorrow, so I, will, uh, you know, I, could, I can let you know what you said.
1: Yes, please do.
0: And I'll see you in San Francisco in a month.
1: All right, thank you.
0: All right, take care.
1: I appreciate you investing
0: your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, Please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.